when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black and now your host evan gross with the 17th pick in the 2021 nfl draft the las vegas raiders select alex leatherwood tackle alabama with the 43rd pick in the 2021 nfl draft the Las Vegas Raiders select Trayvon Merrick, defensive back, TCU. With the 79th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Malcolm Koontz, defensive end, Buffalo. We got another one for you right now. We got another pick. And with the 80th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Divine Diablo, linebacker, Virginia Tech. With the 143rd pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Tyree Gillespie, defensive back, Missouri. With the 167th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Nate Hobbs, defensive back, Illinois. And with the 230th pick in this year's draft, we take Philadelphia's finest from LaSalle High School and the University of Pittsburgh. At pick number 230, Jimmy Morrissey, the center from Pittsburgh. Welcome to Raider Nation, man. And let's go, Raider Nation. Welcome back for another brand new episode of Just Pod Baby. I'm your host, Evan Grote, and I'm happy to be here with you. You just heard all seven of the Raiders' 2021 draft selections here. We're going to be breaking it all down for you. We got a ton to dive into. The draft is now in the books. How do you think they did? Did they fill all the needs? Did they draft some of the guys that you had targeted in your mock drafts? What do you think? Also this week, we're going to be joined by our guest, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, your boy Q, Q Myers. We're going to chat with Q, our good friend, and see what he has to say about this year's draft class. He always has a pretty good opinion and a pretty good insight on these things. I'm looking forward to that conversation. I hope you guys are as well. So let's jump into it. The much-anticipated draft, round one, got underway Thursday night from Cleveland. And I think this, to the surprise of, of many in the fan base, the pick was Alex Leatherwood, tackle out of Alabama. The pick did come under some scrutiny from not only the fans, but many of the pundits in the media and in the draft business. Let's quickly take a listen to Daniel Jeremiah, courtesy of the NFL Network and their broadcast. And let's just get some of his initial thoughts on the pick one is a little bit of a it's interesting pick because you talk to people around the league they're all over the map on Alex Leatherwood some really like him some struggle with him he's played a lot of football at Alabama started a lot of ball games he's got quick feet you see there on the bottom opens gate there's some technique stuff where he kind of opens that outside gate and allows some pressure he needs to clean that up it showed up at the senior bowl but when he gets his hands on you he's powerful he's strong he's going to be the first one off the bus exactly what you want the guy to look like when he gets there he's got long arms He's a good finisher. He plays physical. He saw a lot of the top rushers, again, playing in that conference in the SEC. Some people think he's a right tackle. Some teams viewed him as a guard. He was my 62nd overall player. So it was 
was a little bit earlier than I had him coming off the board, but obviously they've found some traits in Alex Sutherland that they felt great about. So there you heard from Daniel Jeremiah, and that was a common theme amongst many of the TV analysts out there. Mel Kuyper on the ESPN broadcast shared many of the same thoughts and, you know, reading online from some of the uh, draft experts that I follow in the business, uh, there was a lot of confusion on that pick. And, and I know a lot of you don't care about the the opinions of some of these so-called experts, and I totally understand that, and I, and I and I get it. At the end of the day, it only matters about what John Gruden and Mike Mayock say, but uh, these are the guys that are in the business of evaluating talent, and, and you know this is how we gain an insight onto what maybe other teams view these players as, where they feel they may go. So uh, it does carry some weight, and I know that they're not always right. Right. Many times they're wrong, in fact. Um, and, and let's not forget that John Gruden and Mike Mack, they were they were two analysts sitting in those chairs just a few years ago. So I, I do think that does matter. It, just a little bit more about Leatherwood now. A three-year starter at Alabama, made 41 starts, 26 at left tackle, 15 at right guard, a unanimous first-team All-American in 2020. Outland Trophy winner in 2020, two-time national champion, and was also named team captain, one of the team captains voted by his teammates his senior year, which was a common theme. It was a trend uh, among Raiders draft picks this year. We'll get into that a little bit more later on. Uh, He's a great athlete. There's no denying that. 6'4", 312 pounds. He clocked in at a 4.99 in the 40 at his pro day, and that's what Cable likes. He likes athletic offensive linemen. He's got long arms, 33 and 7 eighth inch arms, real long. He's a mauler in the run game, and that's what the Raiders want to do. They they want a guy who is who uh, you know going to be powerful and 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 drive defenders back in the run game. You know, certainly this kid is is very well decorated. I mean, his resume here, I'm looking at it uh, in my draft guide. There, there's not much that this kid did not accomplish. He has high character, which we know is a must under Gruden and Mayock and their regime. But my opinion is that, you know, I, I do think it looks like a bit of a reach at, at this point in time. And, and I listen to uh, the State of the Nation podcast, which I'm sure many of you do as well. And, and I tend to agree with what Vic, Deshaun, Ted, and the guys, what, what they had to say on their show. I really like the player. Don't get me wrong. It, it's nothing against Leatherwood. I'm excited to have him. Um, but but I, I believe that, you know, uh, he probably would have been there um, in round two. And, and we heard Mayock talk about there was a team that called and, and was looking to trade up with the Raiders. Mayock stated that he didn't feel, uh, he didn't like the, the trade compensation that was being offered. He listed, he mentioned that as one of the factors. And he also said that the team that was calling up to trade also needed to tackle. But let's not forget, Christian Derrissaw was on the board along with Tevin Jenkins. And I know both of those guys fell a little bit later than I think a lot of us expected. But those were two tackles that were still on the board who were, again, seen by many um, as as better or higher-ranked prospects. So that is something that, um, you know, you, you need to consider. Uh, you know, I, I believe uh, Leatherwood, he's going to step right in from day one. I, I think he'll be just fine. Uh, I don't have any concerns with him as a player, but my, my big concerns is with the trend that we have seen now in the previous three drafts, and that's value. That is draft value. And I think 
that goes particularly in the early rounds from what we have seen. Um, I understand all teams and all scouts, they're going to rank these players differently. Everyone views views them differently. You know, certain players fit better with certain teams and what they like to do offensively and defensively. But again, I'm talking about the consensus from many in the media. Leatherwood was seen as a day two prospect. Many people had day two grades on them. And the Raiders take him at 17. That's a bit concerning to me. Now, again, I know a lot of you out there saying, um, you're saying to yourself, what do these guys know? Who cares what they think? And that's all true. But but Mayak and Gruden, with me at least, they lose some credibility because we have seen this before. And, and I cannot say right now that their philosophy and their strategy has worked out yet. For example, Cleveland Farrell at, at, in 2019 at pick four. Jonathan Abram in 2019, pick 27. Then the following year, last year, 2020, Damon Arnett later in round one. I believe he was 20, what, 26, something along those lines in round one. Okay, Tanner Muse, round three. And, and you know, you could even possibly mention Henry Ruggs in there as the first wide receiver taken. Okay, a lot of people thought maybe he could could be the top pick. You know, I would have gone with a C.D. Lamb or a, a Jerry Judy, but that's not what happened. And I totally understand that it's way too early to be writing any of these players off as bust or bad picks. No way can you do that. That would not be fair at all. But we do know that they haven't gotten off to, you know, the best starts at least, right? We do know that. Farrell, okay, he, he has shown some some flashes, but we're talking about a number four overall pick. And I know that's not his fault, but we're talking about a top five pick. Those need to be instant, immediate impact players. So that is where my concerns lie with what we have seen now, this trend of reaching for players that probably could be had later in the draft. And and, and a couple more comments on, on, on this real quick. They just seem to fall in love and get locked in on certain players. And it doesn't matter where they are drafting. They're going to go out and get them. They're going to make them the pick. And to me, I'm no expert. I'm just a fan like you guys, but I do have an opinion. I don't know if that is the best strategy. I really don't. I'm sure many times it would work out and you're going to hit on some of these picks. But there's also going to be a large percentage of times where it doesn't work out for you. And, and and to me, it just seems like Gruden and Mayock, maybe, maybe maybe it's more Gruden or maybe it's more Mayock. I'm not quite sure who. I'm assuming it's more Gruden. He, he just thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's going to outsmart everyone else in the league. Oh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Tanner Muse here in the third round. Okay. Or as I'll get to a little bit later on in the draft, I'm going to take Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo in round three. Because I'm going to show everybody how smart I am. That's just the impression I get. Maybe I'm reading this way wrong. I don't know. Reach out to me on Twitter. Let me know how you feel. Last thing. I believe in Tom Cable. Okay. And, and I and I, and that's why I feel confident with this pick at 17. That's At the end of the day, that's why I'm okay with it. Because I believe in Tom Cable. If there's any coach that you have to believe in right now, it is him. He's done a great job. And it was one of their two biggest needs. And they checked that box off real early uh, in the draft. 
All right, let's take a quick listen now to general manager Mike Mayock and, and, and some of what he had to say about the pick. I think a couple things, and I think that's it's fair. He is a tough guy. He's very aggressive. He's a powerful right tackle. So I think we're going to run the football better. You know, we like, and, and I think we're going to get Josh Jacobs to the second level more cleanly than we did last year. Not just because of Alex, but because I think we're getting younger, more athletic. I, th- I think we're going to run the football and have some fun next year. I think people are going to like Leatherwood in the run game. Secondly, I think he he's going to give us an opportunity to anchor a little bit better on the right side in the pass game. Okay? Allow... Derek to step up into the pocket, uh, push some people up the field. He's got a really nice combination of length, bend, power, and athletic ability. I mean, so I, I think he's going to help enhance both the run and the pass game. And so there you hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to the round two pick now. And Mayak got a little aggressive here with this one, and I really like what he did. Trading up a few spots to pick 43, executed a trade with the 49ers and grabbed their much-needed safety. The top safety on their board, in fact, Trayvon Moore got out of TCU. And after complaining about not getting great value with Alex Leatherwood in round one, I think they did an excellent job here and got great value with this pick. Uh, Morag was vo- uh, was viewed by many as possibly the, the top safety in this year's class, and there's a lot to like about this pick. Let's listen to Daniel Jeremiah again with his breakdown of the pick. So this is what's so great about the draft. They take my 62nd player at 17. They come back at my 16th player at 43. It just shows you can have all different opinions on these players. Yes. But Traven Morrig is my top safety. He's a complete safety. He's outstanding with his angles to the alley. He wanted to cover tight ends and man coverage, not a problem for him at all. Again, watch him see through the through the receiver to the quarterback, find the football and play it down the field again. Go up and poke the ball out down the field. He can find it both underneath and down the field. There's no panic whatsoever to his game. Sometimes when the ball goes up, you see guys freak out. This gets very comfortable finding it and going after it. The range from the middle of the field or from the deep half is outstanding. So Trayvon Morick, to me, a home run pick for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now that is what we like to hear about the picks, right? Home run pick by the Raiders. That's what we like to hear. Now a little bit more about Morig. He's 6 feet tall, 202 pounds. He's not a blazer. Runs a 4-5. That's adequate enough speed. He shows up a lot ta- uh, faster on tape. I think his his play speed is, is a lot quicker than what that 4-5 might suggest. He was a two-year starter at TCU, and during that time he was very, very productive. Ball production through the roof with 26 passes uh, defended and six interceptions in 22 games. He was named a second-team All-American in 2020, the 2020 Jim Thorpe Award winner, and also a team captain. So much like... Alex Leatherwood, he is very well decorated prospect in his own regards, uh, with high character, strong work ethic, very well respected by coaches and teammates, and, and that is what again he checks off all the boxes for a Mike Mayock and John Gruden prospect. And overall, what I like most about him is is his range, right? That's what he does best. I think that's his strength is he's got great range on the back end. Uh, check out some of his film, and you will know exactly what I'm talking about. He can cover. He's got great cover skills, and he makes plays on the ball. And, and uh, you know, he's going to create some turnovers for this defense, and he's going to make some big plays for the Raiders. And the Lord knows they need someone to do that because it's they just have not done that enough, and uh, it, it's a major area of need where they need to get better. Here's um, 
general manager Mike Mayock on his second round pick? Yeah, a couple things. Um, we have some pretty good connections at TCU and, and everybody down there bang the table for this young man, not just as a football player, but as a foundation-type human being and player. And that was important to us. So we think he's intelligent enough to run the defense back there. We think he brings a foundation background into our locker room, which is important. And then as far as the skill set, it's pretty cool because if you know you guys know a little bit about Gus's defense and if you go back to even Seattle you know it was Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and they both had kind of predetermined roles it wasn't two safeties that were inverting back and forth and it really was a post safety and a box safety and in our defense John Abram is going to be that box safety and Jeff Heath at this point is our post safety but uh, Morig is a guy that we think can step in and compete at post safety Uh, he had seven picks in his career 24 post uh, PBUs great range tackles so he's going to be a free safety and uh, we think ultimately for a long period of time he and John could be a pretty interesting tandem so there you heard some comments from Mike Mayock on Trayvon Morgan and how he fits in with this this new Gus Bradley scheme defense. And, uh, you know, one thing, does, does, does Mike Mayock actually think we believe that Jeff Heath at this point is the starting post safety? <laughs> I mean, come on, Mike. We, we know better than that. I know you can't just gift wrap the starting job for for Morig the rookie but uh you know we we know that come day one he he will be the starter and that's and that's nothing against Jeff Heath uh and and there was one other piece of uh information on the pick um that I wanted to get to there was some information that came out it was Ian Rappaport that uh came out with the news just after the selection that there could be a potential back injury uh, that that was sustained during training for Morig, and and there were some scouts who saw a tape on his back or, or or whatnot during his pro day, and that could have explained some of the reason why he he saw him his his stock fall a little bit in the draft, which is maybe some of the reason why he was available at pick forty three. But both Mayock did say during his press conference, and Morig when he spoke to the media as well after that he was drafted, they both confirmed that the back is a non issue and that he will be uh good to go. So no issues to worry about there with the back. Moving on to the third round where the Raiders own two picks uh, in that round, picks 79 and 80. The first at 79, they selected edge rusher Malcolm Kuntz from right here in my backyard out of the University of Buffalo, the Bulls. And the 80th pick was safety linebacker out of Virginia Tech, Divine Diablo. That's a cool name, right? We all all love him for that name. Um, and, you know, let's start with Kuntz. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know much about this kid, even though he played here at the University of Buffalo. I don't follow the team that close. And, and because of uh, COVID and, and everything else, I just was, was even more or less interested um, than I normally am. Um, you know, I, I hadn't seen this kid play at all this year, to be perfectly honest. And, and this is one of those picks that I got to be honest, it, it kind of feels like the Tanner Muse pick from from a year ago. I, I don't think anyone predicted this one. Outside, I will say, outside of our good friend of the show, Marcus Johnson from over at the Tape Don't Lie podcast, um, he actually posted some some clips of Kuntz uh, about a month ago, I think it was, and uh, he he you know he liked Kuntz's game and. Uh, 
thought he was a sleeper pick and had some really nice things to say about Koontz. So uh, there is one person that I could say that might have saw it coming. But, you know, from a, from a production standpoint, there is a lot to be excited about because over the past two seasons um, where he started 19 games, he did register 14 sacks along with 17 and a half tackles for loss and three forced fumbles. So you do like to hear that. Um, and it does look like, you know, he, he has some get off. I, um, I did put on a couple clips of him. Uh, he does have a quick first step, so he's got some get off and he can really bend it. But you have to wonder about the level of competition, right? Coming out of the MAC conference and, and making that jump to much more competitive, uh, you know, competition. Um, I do have some concerns about that. I will say Mel Kuyper, he did like the pick. He, he said on his on the broadcast ESPN that he thought he could sneak into the second round. But then I also follow a guy like Dane Brugler and his draft guide of The Athletic, a former guest on the show. I really respect him and the work that he does. He sees Koontz as a seventh-round pick. So, you know, who knows? Um, but it does... Seem like a bit of a reach to me at this point, but I need to do a little bit more homework on the player before I can fully comment and, and form a, a honest opinion um, on the player. Let's take a listen now to uh, Mike Mayock as he talks about what he likes about Malcolm Kuntz and, and, and how he sees him fitting in with the Raiders defense. Uh, Malcolm Kuntz is a guy that um, you, you guys haven't asked me about Kuntz yet, and this guy at Buffalo has um, an innate, skill and ability to rush the quarterback and um he's 6022 he's 249 pounds he's got long arms but when you see him rush the quarterback he's got he's got a real chance to to do some things that are kind of cool and will help complement Ngakwe so now we've got two kind of guys that can bend the edge with some speed off the edge and that's that's what we didn't have the last two years is that bendy guy with it that can threaten you off the edge with speed we've got the big powerful guys we didn't have the bendy edge guys uh and he also can play special teams some good stuff there from Mayock and uh he did go on to say that Kuntz will be used primarily as a third down rusher. So that will be his role coming in. They're going to probably give him a small role, let him let him earn it, and, and see if he can be productive with some of those snaps that he's given. But he'll be primarily brought in on third downs to rush the passer. Now, there were two other guys on the board who I really liked in that spot. Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma who went to the Patriots. Watch him turn out to be like an all-pro. And uh, Patrick Jones the second from Pitt, especially Jones. I, I I've watched a lot of tape on him, and uh, I, I thought he offered some of this the, the same skills that we heard Mayock uh, say that he saw in Koontz with with ability to bend, high motor, quick get off, all those kind of things. Um, so I, I really was hoping that Jones would be the pick there. Uh, but what time will tell on this pick? We'll we'll give Koontz a chance. Uh, but I do agree that they they needed another. Uh, speed rusher off the edge to complement uh, Ngakwe, and I, I think they might have addressed that uh, with this pick here. Now, Divine Diablo, he's an interesting prospect. Brugler had him as his seventh-ranked safety, but as we learned, the Raiders are going to use him as a will linebacker. Uh, he's a hybrid type because of his combination of size and speed. He's listed at 6'3", 226, ran a 4-4 at the pro day. Now, at the Senior Bowl, they asked him to move to linebacker because I, I, I guess that's where a lot of NFL teams saw him as a better fit, and he did pretty well there, uh, so that that's good. Uh, he's a, another team captain. 
He models this game after Cam Chancellor. He actually, both Chancellor, uh, Chancellor also attended uh, Virginia Tech, and, and Diablo changed his number to 17, and that's the same number that Chancellor wore. Um, and here's a stat for you. Only one missed tackle in 2020. That has to make you smile when you think about how poor of a tackling team the Raiders were and how many missed tackles the defense had a year ago. And the fan base is pumped up about this one, and rightfully so. I do want to see how he adapts to being a full-time linebacker in the NFL. Um, But because of his versatility and his skill set, he does offer some um, special teams ability as well, which is, is always a good thing. Uh, but again, if he can adapt to that new role as a linebacker, then I, I think this could be a very good player in the league. And that brings us to the next pick, Tyree Gillespie, a safety from Missouri, who they had to trade up into round four, pick 143 to get him. Another speed guy with special teams ability who will add to the competition at safety and add a little bit of depth at the position. Listen, anytime you're a three-year starter in the SEC, you're doing something right. Uh, so he is battle-tested, and he's faced the best competition that college football has to offer. Here now is Daniel Jeremiah with his breakdown of Gillespie. And Gillespie's very athletic, explosive, made some big-time plays in the Alabama game when you study him uh, in that one. He's an excellent blitzer, um, made some plays against Florida and Kyle Pitts in, in that game as well, so played big-time competition. The only knock was he'll have some fly-by missed tackles, but man, he's a 4-4 kid who plays really, really hard. And it was the second time the Raiders traded up in the draft to grab a safety. So they're really beefing up the position as they should because it was arguably the weakest position on the entire roster uh, from a year ago. And, and, you know, they really hadn't addressed the position outside of the signing of Carl Joseph, which happened late in free agency. I don't know where he fits into this group at this point. He'll just be a a depth piece. Uh, The final two picks... For the Raiders came in round five and round seven with cornerback Nate Hobbs from Illinois and, and center Jim Morrissey from Pitt. I don't know a ton about either one of these guys. I still have to dive into some of their tape and, and see exactly what uh, the Raiders have in those two guys. Um, I know Hobbs is out there putting a lot of stuff out on Twitter. He, he seems like he talks a big game, <laughs> right? Uh, so let's see if he backs it up. I believe he projects as a slot corner for the Raiders based on what Mayock had to say. He's only 5'11", 196, not a huge guy, but you know he has some traits, uh, ran a 4'4", he made 35 starts in the Big Ten, and like many of the picks this year for the Raiders, he's a team captain. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the, what the deal is going to be in the slot, to be honest. Right now, it looks like Nevin Lawson. I know he's going to be serving a two-game suspension when the season starts. I've never really been a, a big fan of him. They also have Amik Robertson, who I think most of us would like to see take this job, win this job out of camp. We were really high on him coming out of the draft last year, but he struggled. You know, He did struggle in, in limited time that he saw. My gut tells me I still think we could see a, a veteran join the team. Uh, at some point, whether that is Richard Sherman, who I did see uh, the Raiders were one of four teams who he spoke to already about joining the team. And, and you could bring him in, kick Arnett outside. And, uh, you know, another name to, to keep out, uh, keep in mind is Casey Hayward. He's still out there. He's available. He has a history with Gus Bradley. And, and so those are a couple names that I will be keeping a, a close eye on. So, you know, that is my rundown of the picks in this year's draft class. Overall, listen, they addressed some needs 
I'm interested to see how Leatherwood holds up moving from the right uh, left side to the right side. I don't think it's as easy as a lot of people think. I do recall a few a couple years ago when they drafted Colton Miller and they slid Donald Penn over to the right side. Uh, he talked about how it was uh, a difficult challenge, and um, I'm not saying it's it's something that Leatherwood can't handle, but that is something that right now I think we have to at least consider. Uh, Morig, I really like. I think he is a instant playmaker on the back end of that defense. Let's hope that um, you know he can complement uh, Jonathan Abram nicely as, as the deep safety. Um, and and Abram makes a jump this year and shows some drastic improvement. And also, you got to hope that they nailed these picks in rounds three, round three with Kuntz and Diablo. Let's hope that these guys can come in, offer some depth, eventually carve a rollout for themselves. Maybe early on it'll be in a special teams role. Uh, the Raiders have had trouble in round three. We know this, right? We know that has been around. That has has been a little bit dicey for them. So let's hope that they've, they've got that fixed this year. It always looks good on paper, right? I think many of us, after a draft wraps up, we we think it looks good, uh, but when it when when it's time to strap up and they get out there in the field, it don't, it doesn't always pan out the way we thought it would. So now it's time for Bradley and his his position coaches, Ron Miles being one of them, with this really young secondary. It's time to develop these guys and and, and get them out there on the field and, and see what they can contribute. Okay, let's get to a quick break, and when we return, we'll be joined by our guest, your boy Q, Q Myers, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Be right back. And we are back here on Just Pod Baby, recapping the 2021 draft hall for the Raiders. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these youngsters get on the field to help the Raiders get over the hump and finally get into the playoffs. I'm also really looking forward to speaking with our next guest this week to see what he thinks of the draft class. He is the host of the popular Lockdown Raiders podcast. Let's say hello to your boy Q, Q Myers. Summer, man. How you doing? Evan, everything okay? I'm good, man. You know, it's it's we we talked about uh or or you teased teased me about getting you on the podcast a while back when we were on Raider Nation Radio. So uh, finally, we got it done. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, I'm waiting for this phone call, man. It's like it's like when you're at the draft. You know, what I mean, you're sitting in the green room and you're waiting for the team to call you, and finally <laughs> the phone rings and it says no ID, and I'm thinking, oh man, I don't know if I should pick this up. And then I pick it up and look, it's Evan on the other line and I'm on the show. So it's about time, man. I appreciate the invite. <laughs> no problem. Thanks so much for uh, hopping on with me today, Q. But let's, let's get right into this. Uh, you know, we're going to talk some, some Raiders draft here. I, I think the draft hall uh, is drawing some, some mixed reviews out there. I, I think personally, I think they did a nice job of addressing the two biggest needs that remained on the roster after free agency by getting the left tack or the right tackle and, and the free safety early on. I want to first ask you about the right tackle, Alex Leatherwood. I, I like the player, I really do, uh, but I do believe it, it was a bit of a reach, in my opinion, to get him at 17. What are some of your thoughts on the pick? I mean, that's where I'm at too, Evan. You know, I, I did a podcast immediately following the pick, and I said, look, nothing against the player. I, I'm a guy who likes Alabama. I make no bones about it. I like watching Alabama play because, well, most of them are pros anyway. You know, so I like Alex Leatherwood as a player, and I think that he was a good option for the Raiders at that right tackle position. I mean, look, again, he's left tackle now. He has to kick over to the right tackle position, which Mike Mayock said you know, he's going to be the starting right tackle. Hopefully he can hold that spot down. 
I just thought that, hey, you know, he, he probably could have been there in the second round, and they could have gone and got a difference maker in the first round. Now, hindsight being 2020, they ended up going to get that difference maker in the second round. So, I mean, they, you know, they ended up getting the two guys that they really needed and, and, and two positions of need that I think are really good players. They just got it in a different order than what I would have done it. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying that Leatherwood wouldn't have made it out the first round. He was going to get selected by Baltimore at the end of the first round, something like that. I mean, look, that's a chance you take. It's a, it's a deep offensive tackle draft. Uh, and I know that Leatherwood was clearly their favorite one, the, the one that liked the most, but I'm sure he wasn't the only guy who could have manned the right tackle position. And, and I believe that Minnesota had actually called them for a, a, a trade, and Minnesota was only there at 24. I think Minnesota was going to trade up for Darisaw, who they ended up getting anyway just by staying there. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, we can talk about it so we're blue in the face. Some people will love it. Some people will hate it. I, I never hated the pick. I just didn't think that at 17 it was good value. But either way you look at it, they got Merrick in the second round. They got Leatherwood the first round. So, I mean, I guess it's all good. Yeah, you make a good point there. I mean, at, at the end of the day, they they were able to get both Merrick, who was one of the top safeties in the class, and still address the right tackle situation. So I, I suppose it, if you had flip-flopped them, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. You got you got two good players there. but right. And also, in, in defense of Leatherwood, you, know, you look at the kid's resume, and, and there isn't much that he didn't accomplish at Alabama. I mean, a two-time national champ, 41 starts, he's versatile, Outland Trophy winner this year, team captain. So you, you love all those things, but... Where I have concern is this trend that we've we've seen now with Gruden and Mayock seemingly just not having a feel for draft value going back to where they selected Cleveland Farrell in 2019 at pick four. Uh, I think you could question where Jonathan Abram was selected as well. And then last year in 2020, we saw Damon Arnett uh, you know, get selected a little bit earlier than I think most people thought. You could also throw in the picks of Tanner Muse and even Lynn Bowden. And, and I just, yeah. you know, those are questionable decisions to me. And, and I think that what the problem is, they tend to just fall in love with these guys. They get they get ultra locked in on certain players. And it doesn't seem to matter which round they're they're in. They're going to go get that guy. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with it, you know, and that's something I've talked about a few times that they don't really care what the general, you know, um, uh, consensus is on where a player should be drafted. And, you know, Mike Mayock actually touched on it a little bit uh, on, I believe, on Saturday after the draft actually wrapped up on NFL Network. He was talking to Daniel Jeremiah and uh, Rich Eisen and, um, and a couple others he was uh, he was talking with. And, and he said that, you know, we have our own value on all these players. We have our own board. I don't care what the, you know, the Kuypers or DJ or any of those people say that these guys' value is. But then he said, with an asterisk, he said, but I do need to know what the league thinks, what the, where the league's value is. That's important. So, you know, so if he, if he feels like the league values Leatherwood as a second-round draft pick, then, you know, he, he possibly can make some moves and, and make some trades and still have an opportunity to go get their guy and, and know what a good value is. So, uh, you know, it's like one, one thing, it's like, okay, we don't care what, what everyone thinks about certain players because we're going to go get our guy. But at the same time, we have to understand what the, the league's outlook is on these players so they can make some moves up and down. And, and he mentioned that trade that they had an opportunity to make, and he just said that he didn't think it was a very good trade. He didn't think that whatever that team was, and I believe it was Minnesota, whatever they were offering wasn't good enough to take the chance to miss out on, uh, on, on Leatherwood. So, okay, I just think that if you move back a couple spaces, if you go from 17 to 24, you, you still get Leatherwood. And even if Minnesota didn't offer a lot, Maybe they just offered one, I don't know, six-round pick or a fifth-round pick. It's still one extra pick. You know what I mean? So I just kind of feel like they could have 
got their guy and one extra player or one extra pick, and then maybe they even use that package that to move back up into the fourth round or, you know, something like that. It's something. It's more ammunition to get creative with uh, where they didn't have that. But, I mean, again, it is what it is. They got some really good players, I think, in the draft. I think they came away with, uh, you know, some quality guys. Uh, we'll see how it is, obviously, when they hit the grass and, and OTAs and, and mini camps and, and, you know, training camp. And then, you know, it's time to shine, you know, get out there on the field. Um, but we'll see. I think all in all, they came out of the weekend with a, a pretty good draft. Our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. I want to ask you a little bit more about the second round pick. I thought they showed a lot of aggressiveness to go up and get him at pick 43. I think it's a steal to grab Merrick there, to be personal, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. Uh, there's a lot to like about this pick, right, Q? Yeah, absolutely, man. As a guy who's in Central Texas and covers the Big 12 like a glove, man, TCU, I'm very, very familiar with. And Trayvon Merrick is one of those guys that he was one of mine that I was I was excited about thinking, hey, maybe the Raiders can go get him as high as 17. You know, I thought that he was going to be the first safety off the board. Uh, he was regarded by a lot of people as the best safety in this class. And to see him drop to the second round, I remember going into work on, uh, on Friday after the first round was over, and I said, man, I can't believe Trayvon Merrick is still on the board. And I, I honestly thought he was going to be one of the earliest picks in, in day two uh, because he was still there, and, and they ended up taking, you know, Javon Holland came off the board, Richie Grant came off the board, and then the Raiders made the aggressive move, like you mentioned, to trade up and go get him. I thought it was a great pick, and you want to talk about value. You know, we talked about Leatherwood, and maybe the value wasn't there. Merrick at 43, the value is awesome. You know, that's a great Great value right there. Even if you had to trade up a couple picks, which they did, they moved up from 48 to 43, but that's fine. You know, they were able to get that kind of player who's going to be immediately, he's going to compete with Jeff Heath for that uh, free safety spot. He's going to be the guy on the back end of the defense. Uh, they're going to be able to push Jonathan Abram and this Gus Bradley defense uh, down into the box, and that's more probably where he's going to get more, uh, more action and, and be more comfortable playing. So uh, you're starting to see this Gus Bradley defense come together uh, you, you're starting to see the pieces, what they can do. And, uh, again, with the rest of the draft picks that they got over the course of the weekend, uh, you can see that there's also going to be competition at a lot of positions. So some of these guys, including Jonathan Abram, are really going to have to step their game up or they might find themselves on the sideline. And then after uh, after this year, you might see them uh, – somewhere else if they don't get their stuff together so I, I like what Gus Bradley is doing I love the fact that the Raiders went all defense pretty much with their draft their first and their last picks were the only ones that were were offensive guys and none of them were skill positions so uh, clearly that they know the defense needs to be addressed uh, they addressed it in the in free agency quite a bit you know especially on the defensive line a bunch of one-year guys and then of course uh, unique and Gakway on the on the edge there uh, so so Gus Bradley's given all getting all the tools that he needs to make this defense a lot better. And Trayvon Merrick, I believe, is going to be a big-time factor for some years to come, man. He's a ball hawker, too. He's a guy that can help create turnovers, something that the Raiders haven't had in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's actually uh, the thing that you know intrigues me or excites me the most about him is his ball production. Twenty eight passes defended in in three seasons and seven interceptions. The Raiders ranked thirtieth in, in, in turnovers uh, forced last year, so definitely an area where they they need to get help. And I think he does help fix that problem. Let's move on to the round three picks. For me personally, when I when I look at the draft as a whole. These are the two picks to me that that really are intriguing. Malcolm Kuntz, he does yeah. seem like a bit of a reach, you know, at at, at seventy nine. Yeah. I got to be honest. Um, right. I, I said earlier in the show, it kind of feels like Tanner Muse all over again. You know, I, I'm going to give this kid a chance. Obviously, we all are. Uh, I know he has some traits that Mayock likes, but at least for me, I'm a little bit skeptical of, of with the the pick of Kuntz at the moment. 
you know what I like about him, and I, and I agree with you. I do think, you know, they probably grabbed him a little high. You know, he was a guy, and he even said it when he had the, his post-game or his post-media, post-draft media uh, session, excuse me, he said that, you know, there was, there was people that were telling him he was going to be a sixth-round sixth pick, seventh-round pick. He ends up in the third round, you know. And so uh, I think that he did some good things at Buffalo's Pro Day. Uh, but the thing I like about him, this is what excites me about him, even though I don't think he's going to be on the field a whole lot, uh, I think he's going to be a situational pass rusher. He has a lot of different, uh, you know, tools on his tool belt that can get to the quarterback. He has a knack for getting to the quarterback. That's the one thing. He can get to the pass rusher, which is something that the Raiders don't do that well. And it's funny because the, the comparison that a lot of people are giving for Koontz is Unique Ngakwe, and that's the guy that the Raiders went out and got, you know, in free agency gave a couple-year contract to. So if he could be a guy like that, and bring some bring some pressure, some extra pressure, some added pressure. That's a good pick. And and, and why I really like it is because of the 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 the, re, the way that they're going to be able to keep a fresh rotation in at all times. You know, I think Max Crosby in 2020 got worn out because he had to be on the field so much. I mean, he, he you know he wasn't a starter his rookie year. He was a starter in the second year in the league. And you see him, he regressed a little bit. Still a good player, but regressed a little bit because I think he wasn't fresh towards the end of games. And so he, he's going to have an ability now to, to be able to be rotated in and out. Uh, Ngakwe is going to be able to rotate in and out. I think Kuz is going to get on the field be able to rotate in and out. And that's what, if you remember, that's what San Francisco did really well the year that they went to the Super Bowl against Kansas City and they ultimately lost in Miami. But they did that really well with their defensive line. They were able to always have – quality pass rushers on the field. They were always able to get a fresh body in there that can get after the quarter. They were always rotating dudes in and out, in and out, in and out, and it kept them fresh, and it kept getting pressure on the quarterback. So I think that that's kind of the, the theory that they're, the Raiders are going with, is that kind of that mold is like, hey, man, just have fresh legs in there at all times. If Malcolm Coons could come in on third down and just pin his ears back and try to get after the quarterback, I'm fine with that. You know, probably a role that Arden Key should have done but couldn't. You know, he just couldn't complete it. I think Koontz has an opportunity. Of course, he played at Buffalo, so he's going to have to, you know, prepare for NFL competition. And, you know, the, the guys are going to be – the players he's going to go up against, offensive linemen, are going to be a lot tougher than the competition he faced at Buffalo. But I do think he has an opportunity just to – you know, if he picks up three or four sacks a season, I think that's good for a guy who's just going to be a rotational piece. I'm not mad at that pick. Yeah, I mean, it would be more than Arden Key offered, right? So, I mean, it'd, exactly. it'd, it'd be exactly. an upgrade. It's an upgrade. So, uh, you know, one of the other players that I was really banging on the table for uh, was was Awusa Koromoa out of Notre Dame. And although they didn't select him, they did go with a player in the same mold of that that hybrid safety yeah. linebacker, Divine Diablo. He might have the coolest name in the draft, too. <laughs> Mayock says uh, <laughs> they want to play him at the Will linebacker spot. And I think with his combination of, of size, 6'3", and two. 26. He runs, I think he's got 4-4 speed. He could really be a chess piece for Gus Bradley in this defense. What do you think about that? Yeah, he really can be. And it's funny, man, talking about his name, I had a buddy hit me up on Twitter right after the Raiders drafted him and said, in Spanish, divine means God and Diablo means devil. So he's like God devil is his name. And uh, so <laughs> He's perfect for the I Raiders. Thought, <laughs> right. I thought that that was kind of cool, you know. So I don't really know how accurate that is, but I just thought it was cool that he even said that to me. So I thought that, that was cool thinking about his name. But I'll tell you, man, I don't know how much this dude's going to play the part. I don't know how good he's going to be. I'm not going to act like I, you know, I just covered him all the time and I watched him all the time. So I just, I know everything he does. But I'll tell you what, man, he sure does look like the part, man. This dude is a chiseled piece of work, man. He looks like a guy that can really get after it and, and 
and, uh, you know, lay the wood, you know, similar to what like Jonathan Abram does kind of, kind of lay the wood. Um, uh, but hopefully he, he, he makes, instead of just kind of throwing his body around like Abram does, hopefully he, he does it with more kind of control and uh, realizes what he's hitting and, you know, just everything. I, I think he has an opportunity to be a player. I think he's going to be a guy that he may actually uh, compete with Jonathan Abram quite a bit. You know, I mean, he, he could be a guy that I believe they could push down in, in the box and, and play him, uh, you know, uh, near the line of scrimmage and kind of play that Cam Chancellor role in the in the uh, Gus Bradley defense. We always want to reference the, the Legion of Boom, right? So, uh, you know, Trayvon Merrick is going to be the Earl Thomas, and Jonathan Abram will be that, that Cam Chancellor guy. But I think Devon Diablo has an opportunity to maybe do that as well. That That's going to be interesting as well. So it's something to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm with you there. Uh, now, in, in rounds four, five, and seven, they added some depth to the secondary, picking up another safety in, in Tyree Gillespie. Gillespie. Uh, they also added a cornerback in Nate Hobbs and a center out of uh, Pitt, Jim Morrissey. Uh, overall, yeah. overall, going into uh, you know going into this draft, we knew they needed to address the defense. They did that with five yeah. of the seven picks. Now it comes down to how well can Gus Bradley and his position coaches get this group to play, in particular the 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 young secondary. And I'm not only talking about this year's class. I'm talking about the the, the 2020 class and the 2019 class. Some of these young players. They got to develop, but when you look at the defense right now on paper as a whole, with the additions in free agency and in the draft, do you think they are in a better position today now to make a jump that they need to do to get this team to the playoffs? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I think just the addition of Trayvon Merrick and Unique Ngakwe are, are huge. You know, I mean, those two guys alone, uh, Merrick obviously being in the draft and Ngakwe in free agency, uh, but I also like the rotation that they have on that defensive line that they went and grabbed a bunch of one- and two-year guys, actually a bunch of one-year guys for the defensive line during free agency. And the thing about it, the reason I like that is because these guys aren't guaranteed anything but the one year. And that means that they're going to have to get after it. That, that means that basically they're all in contract years. And, you know, no, they're not all going to stick with the Raiders. They're not all going to be there long term. But you know that when players play their hardest is when they're in the contract year, when they're trying to earn that extra money. Perfect example, Nelly Aguilar. You know, I mean, look what Nelly did last year with the Raiders. He had a career year. Well, he was in a career. He was in a contract uh, year. So, so he ended up playing his, his best ball. Uh, I just think that players are that much more, um, I don't know, just not aggressive, but they're just they're, they're that much more on it when they're in a, in a contract year. So I, I think that the, the rotation on the defensive line, I think they have a, an opportunity to be a lot better than they were a year ago. Um, and I think that especially on the back end, man, I think Merrick is going to really, really help out. I know that Jeff Heath is right is there right now, and I know that they're going to compete. But ultimately, uh, what it should be is Trayvon Merrick should be your starter for the first week of the season. And now, I mean, you know, things can always change and go wrong or whatever, and Jeff Heath is a good player. But he's not a guy that I think you should have out there all the time. I think he's a guy that should be maybe part of a rotation, uh, you know, depth. Maybe he's a guy that, uh, you know, if Merrick gets banged up for a couple plays here and there, he has to go out. Jeff Heath goes in there and you feel pretty good, but uh, ultimately he shouldn't be your best line of defense at the back end of that defense. So I think, I think Merrick is going to do really well with them. I do like the, the pick of Nate Hobbs and not because I know a whole lot about him. I just know that just from watching his, uh, his interview and hearing him after he was selected, he's very, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, feels like he's always been overlooked and, you know, he said that they that the Raiders got the, the biggest underdog, which immediately made me start thinking of Trent Brown, <laughs> you know, the whatever he used to say about about being an underdog. But I mean he just he, he just kinda has that chip on his shoulder. I think he's gonna be out to prove some things. And and we all know that the slot has been something that the Raiders have, have had struggles covering for the longest. And so he's gonna be a slot defensive back and 
uh, he's going to compete there. Obviously, Amik Robertson is the guy who's competing there, too. He was a, uh, a draft pick just, a, what, a year ago? Was it a year ago or was it two years that they got Amik? I think they, they got was last year. They just got Amik. Last year. Yeah, okay, last year. Man, I'm telling you, these years start to run together. But, yeah, Amik Robertson's going to have to step his game up. I think there'll be some good, healthy competition there at the at the slot position. And, and that's a good thing, man. When you have guys fighting for jobs, man, that means that they're going to give you their all. You know, and honestly, Damon Arnett better be on, on notice as well. He better find a way to stay on the field or else all these safeties and, and corners that they're drafting, you know, there, there, could be, there could be more on the way, too. There could be some uh, some veterans on the way. You know, I know Casey Hayward's a guy that the Raiders are interested in possibly bringing in. Of course, Richard Sherman's name is floated out there as well. So, you know, all these guys better really step their game up. Trayvon Mullen, they're going to have to make a decision on him pretty soon. He's going to year three of a four-year contract. So a lot of these guys, I believe, are going to have to play a lot better, and now they're going to have the opportunity to play a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. They, they they definitely added some depth and, and some competition to this defense. And I think what we have seen now is they're they're relying on Gus Bradley. The Gus Bradley's impact yeah. on this defense, his scheme and and what you know him and his position coaches can bring to this team. I think that's what we're the the, the Raiders are relying on right now. So all right, uh thanks so much for the time, Q. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Lockdown Raiders podcast. You can also give Q a follow if you don't already. Uh, on Twitter at your boy Q254. Thanks again, Q, for the time. Keep up the great work, my friend. Hey man, anytime. I appreciate you having me on the show. It's, it, I broke, I broke ground. Now I, I finally made it onto the podcast, man. So, uh, oh, and look at that. Here's a sign, uh, Casey Hayward. Boom. There you go. Who did? The Raiders. Oh, well, I just, I was just talking about that. That's unbelievable. I, I just a minute before I got on the phone with you, I was recording, and I said keep an eye on Casey Hayward. So that's that's amazing. So good, good there to know. Is. Good to know. I like, I like that good. signing a lot. There you, I do too. I do too. There you go. I like that. All right. Well, that's what's up. Appreciate you, my man. All right, Q. Thanks for the breaking news, and we'll have to get you on again sometime. All right, brother. Be good. All right. That was our guest, your boy Q. And Q just texted me. <laughs> he must have been reading uh, you know, some bogus tweets because the Raiders did not sign Casey Hayward. I was trying to look for it after we got off the phone. I couldn't see it anywhere. So must have been some fake news being put out there on Twitter. But even so, I, I do believe it... it, it it's a good fit. It makes a lot of sense uh, with the need still at the position. I think they can still do a b- upgrade there. And with the history with Gus Bradley, I think it makes a lot of sense. So definitely keep an eye on him. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's special episode, the draft recap coming at you a little bit different time than, than I normally like to get these out for you. But I, I, I hope you enjoyed the breakdown. Please subscribe to the show if you don't already. Click that button. Uh, you can also give me a follow on Twitter at egroat 5 Take care, everyone. Have yourself a great week. And until the next time, I am your host, Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.